0: There are many different types of deer. These beautiful and graceful creatures can quietly roam through the forest or run like thunder across the tundra. But does the wide variety of deer give credence to evolutionary assumptions? Stay tuned.
1: God created them to multiply and fill the earth in a dazzling variety that points to his authorship.
0: This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Imagine large gentle deer roaming through the trees of a peaceful wintry forest. Picture small dusty deer surviving life in a hot African desert. Consider huge moose, caribou and elk of the northern regions thriving in their hostile environments. But where did all these different types of deer come from? And are they a product of a creator's design or the result of a mere game of chance that took place over millions of years? Stay tuned for the next 15 minutes as we discuss the deer family and the variety that exists within their created kind. ICR retired biologist Dr. Ken Cummings says many
2: types of deer can be found worldwide. The interesting item about the deer is that they're spread pretty uniformly around around the globe, even reindeer in the north, so that the availability of deer is quite accessible to most people groups. And they are browsers. And by browsers, we mean that they feed on twigs and leaves. They can eat grass and fruit, but prominently they are browsers. And doing so, they would prune back a lot of the shrubs and and understory of most forests. ICR Museum curator Cindy Carlson holds degrees in
0: biology and zoology. She says there's a lot of variation within the deer family.
3: The deer are animals in the family cervidae. There are about 40 species of deer that range in size from the moose, which can reach six and a half feet at the shoulder, and weigh up to 1,600 pounds, to the pudu of South America. The pudu can be as small as one foot tall at the shoulder, so you can see the range in the deer family is very large.
0: ICR biologist Dr. Gary Parker says deer are a good illustration of variation within the created kinds.
1: Oh, a few years ago, they were talking about giving a new genus species name, a new scientific name to the Scottish red deer. It was so much smaller than the deer that was found on the European mainland continent, and and the, the antlers were especially smaller. So they thought, well, maybe we'll give it a new species name. But then they took some of these Scottish red deer to New Zealand, and in the New Zealand environment, the Scottish red deer just thrived, and they became much larger than they were back in Scotland, and the antlers became even larger yet. And so it was apparent that they were the same species, the same created kind as the European deer had been. It's just that the traits were expressed differently in different environments.
0: Another good example of this is a little Asian deer with a distinctive feature.
1: One of the most dramatically different kinds of deer is on display in the San Diego Zoo as well as uh, elsewhere. It's called the musk deer. I kind of like to call it the saber-toothed deer. Now, that sounds wild, saber-toothed deer. (laughs) But sure enough, the males in this little teeny musk deer, it's just, oh, I don't know, Hardly a foot and a half high. It's just a little teeny thing. But the males have big canine teeth that stick out from the front, just like you've seen pictures of the saber-toothed cat or the saber-toothed tiger with these big saber-shaped canine teeth, you know, sticking out on either side of the mouth and, and lapping over the lower jaw. Well, this little deer has those things, but they're strictly vegetarian. That ought to be a clue to us as well. It's possible to identify the teeth of plant eaters, herbivores, but sharp pointed teeth, saber teeth, and so on, belong to either herbivores or carnivores. In this case, it just belongs to a herbivore, a plant eater, and it's simply part of male identification, part of the mating ritual, but not a sign that it's a vicious animal that can pounce on others and rip them to shreds or things like that.
0: And Dr. Parker says all these different types of deer are not the result of time and chance evolutionary processes, but are instead the result of creative design.
1: God, again, is the author of variety, and has kind of made variety the spice of life. And these different animals, you know, are adapted to different kinds of environments. Some, you know, are good at living way up north or up in the high mountains where there's a lot of snow and cold. Others, like the key deer, you know, can live in tropical environments. And so God created them to be able to multiply and fill the earth in a dazzling variety that points back to his authorship as the one who's the great artist as well as the great designer.
0: But what do evolutionists say about the origin of deer?
1: You know, evolutionists will try to evolve each of the different kinds of mammals, you know, all the way back to an insectivore, a little shrew-like animal that was once taught to be the only mammal uh, that lived with the dinosaur, was a little teeny, you know, couple-inch long a shrew-like animal that ate insects, and that once the asteroid killed off all the dinosaurs while the shrew was hiding, <laughs> uh, this little shrew-like animal underwent explosive mammalian radiation, and in less than five million years for evolutionists, that's like Monday afternoon. That little teeny shrew like animal turned into swimming whales, running horses, flying bats, and 32 different orders of mammals, including the deer as the artiodactyla and the horse as the parasodactyla and so on.
0: However, true science does not agree with these evolutionary claims.
1: Science says baloney. All of the mammalian orders, all of the major groups of animals, including the group to which the deer belong, the first time they show up in the fossil sequence, they're fully formed with the distinctive characteristics of their group already completely intact and not showing any transition to any of the other groups. And so the fossil record of mammals, including the fossil record of deer, the first time you find antlers, You say, oh, look at the antlers. Here's a fossil antler. It looks just like an antler today. They developed so differently from horns that evolutionists don't even propose that horns evolved into antlers. They don't know where antlers came from. And when you look at the fossils, it looks like antlers came from antlers, that they were created as antlers by God who made those kinds of animals different from the ones with horns and the ones that have neither horns nor antlers. So the fossil record really points back to separate creation of each one of these kinds and that's what the scientific evidence tells us as well as what the biblical evidence tells us
0: how is an animal classified as a member of the deer family what separates deer from other similar mammals such as antelopes sheep and goats cindy carlson explains
3: the north american species that we're all familiar with are the moose elk caribou mule deer and white-tailed deer these are all animals that have certain characteristics, such as split hooves, they're built for running, and they re their food. In other words, we call that chewing the cud. However, the characteristic that singles out the deer more than anything else is that the males grow antlers every year. And this is a very interesting phenomenon.
0: Dr. Parker tells us the difference between antlers on deer and horns that grow on other creatures.
1: Well, horn is a, an outgrowth of the frontal bone that's primarily bone, and it has bone marrow inside that has a big blood supply, and, and so the horn continues to grow slowly and steadily, you know, to its maximum adult size. It's covered by a layer of fingernail material, the protein keratin, same thing that makes our outer skin and and hair and fingernails, that's a horn. An antler grows differently. Whereas horns grow continuously, antlers tend to grow seasonally in inner shed and have to grow again the next
3: year.
0: Cindy Carlson.
3: Antlers are bones, really, they're bones. And when they're first growing, they can grow up to an inch a day, and they're covered with skin and velvety-covered fur, and that's why we call it velvet. And after the bone is completely formed, it calcifies and the animal tears the velvet away and you have the dead bone that they use during the rut to challenge other males and also to protect the herd. The biggest antlers ever found are those of the extinct giant deer, also called the Irish elk. They are 12 feet from tip to tip and weigh 90 pounds. Now, the largest antlers today average around 40 pounds and belong to the moose and elk, but that's still a lot of weight to be carrying around on your head.
0: Deer are mentioned several times in the Bible. As Dr. Cumming tells us, one certain passage compares a deer's physical need with our own spiritual
2: need. When we read in Psalm 42 about as the heart, or the deer, panteth after the water brooks, So panteth my soul after thee, O God. This is a typical situation of the deer going out to seek three things in terms of their food source. One is they like to go out for salt licks, wherever they can find salt deposits to get the salt necessary to balance their bone structures. And then secondly, they need water, so they prominently will find a stream or water hole of some sort to satisfy that need, and then the third one is the foliage that they browse on. So it's easy to see what God had in mind that the deer seeks after the water that God provides, the streams and streamlets that come out of the hills, but secondly, they understand that in their search for the necessary parts of life, water is critical. So God knew real well when he imparted in the psalmist What's happening in this system where the animals have to have nourishment, they have to have water, they have to have salt, and this is a part of their normal life cycle in terms of feeding, is to behave in such a way of seeking food. They pant after water. And the psalmist says we should do that. He does that. He he panteth after God to know him and to know that he would be his sustenance and his well-being. He would provide the water of life for man.
0: Cindy Carlson would agree and says what we need most is salvation, which only the Creator can provide.
3: I just think about how God provides for us and how wonderful that is. But man's greatest need is to have his sin removed so that he can know God and have a relationship with him that he was created for. No amount of good, that we can do can remove the sin that we have in our lives God provided for us by becoming man in Jesus Christ and then paying the debt for sin by dying on the cross we can be restored to God by believing in his historical life, death and resurrection and making him Lord of our lives the Bible states this clearly in Romans 10, 9 and 10 if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And if you haven't done this already, I hope you will start your new life with God today.
0: As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, Why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR? The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.